And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Did you know that the Tim referenced in our theme song actually refers to Timothy Weah, the best American on a day like today? The only Tim that matters, really. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks, but I will never be Tim Weah. I will never be Timothy, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Draw aside against Wales. I don't care about that. Timothy Weah. Make him president. Austin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I, do, do you want to just do like a U.S. men's national pod instead of like our, our normal Mavs talk? We can just, I, I know you got like a, a song on your heart, so we can just let you fire one off here. I, I could, we could literally tack on like 30 extra minutes of just U.S. soccer, what happened in the 1-1 draw against you, you Wales. You think it would only be 30 minutes? Um, yeah, if I showed some restraint, you know. We're recording late Monday night. You're probably listening to this on a Tuesday. I have a bedtime, you know, so I could I could talk for a while, but we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about a um, even more chaotic game that happened on Sunday against the Denver Nuggets. The Mavericks losing on the final shot of regulation. I we I don't even know where to start with this. That. Can they just play a that normal was a game? Bizarre game. Can they play a normal game? Like I just I, we've I had want, what two normal games this I season. I just want them to lose by like twelve or win by twelve. Like, can we just play one normal basketball game that's not weird and comes down to the last shot? It it is wild how many games have come down to Luca taking really bad shots. And I, I wrote a little a little bit about this on the Athletic today. The other wild thing just about so many of the games this season have been like taking these themes that we've talked about all offseason, all summer, and then just like providing the perfect script to, you know, trigger every insecurity that, you know, fans had about the team. Um, you know, it's like it's like the themes are just so like on the nose. Like the script writers are doing too much with these results. Yeah, the, the script writers for the Mav season are definitely overriding this season. Uh, shout out to Josh Bow from Mavs Moneyball. He wrote a really good piece on how this team is just like perfect for the online discourse. They'll either have a game that just confirms every single good belief you have about this team, and then they'll turn around and have a, a, a game that just confirms every negative belief that you have in this team. Pretty much every single one of their losses just confirms every single every single thing that you were concerned about or you thought could go wrong with this team during the season. They they confirm that in the in all of their losses. It's it's 
truly, truly bizarre. It's I've never experienced a first 20 games of a season like this. Yeah, I read that column too. I thought it was very good. Uh, it feels like the games are all proxies for what we're really talking about. And, and that's yeah. like how you and me try to talk about this team anyway. But rarely are the games so on the nose. Like literally, Luca had a, you know, half ending three-pointer taken away by the refs replaced with another slovenian on the other team in the weirdest sequence i have ever seen not ever i've I've seen goalposts have to get replaced halfway through a first quarter i've seen some weird stuff that was one of the weirder things especially with uh vlatko uh vlatko Kankar. Kankar, thank you thank you i should know my slovenian pronunciation better than that uh that was an embarrassing uh effort by me but for what, literally one Slovenian's buzzer beater to be replaced by another's in that exact sequence. And then for it to clearly affect Luca, once again, a proxy for this bigger discussion of, you know, does Luca, you know, have the right approach? Is Does he take, you know, games against teams that are not as good, you know, seriously enough for him, you know, for the obvious leader of this team, best player on this team? It's all proxies, man. Like everything, you know, the Mavs are nine and seven, but... So many of these games are just relating directly back to these broader themes we're having and and talking about this team. Yeah, I I would say that um, I know we come to this podcast for very good, sound basketball analysis that's backed by supporting evidence and things that we're watching in the game. But when that weird halftime thing happened, I was just like, I don't think this team is an emotionally like going to come back from that small blip. I think this team, what we've seen from them is that they are much more reliant on Luka because Brunson left. And and while Brunson is a great basketball player and, and raised their floor as a team, I think also like emotionally and the way that they play games, they're also much more prone to the variance of Luka's, emotional, Luka's emotions during a game. So whether Luka's, if Luka's feeling great, he's having a good time, Everything looks good. They look unbeatable. They look great. Luka's having a bad time. It, things kind of go south. And I think Brunson was a, a very, not only just a steady basketball player, but just like a steady emotional presence for the team. And they weren't as prone to all of the variance that comes with Luka. It's just personality during a basketball game. I like that take. But... To bring us back to our sound, good, data-driven basketball, uh, you know, ana- uh, analysis that we're used to on this pod, I think they're just prone to variance. Period. Yeah, uh, I, um, I like the emotional variance, but they are very tied right now to on-court variance. Right now, this team leads the league, and uh, or they're tied for the league, uh, tied for the league lead in three-point rate. Um, you know, they're not taking the most threes, but that's only because they play at such a slow pace. Um, so, you know, for every possession on a, on a per possession basis, they're taking the most threes. They're also scoring the fewest points from, from mid range and, you know, like shots outside the paint. And that's what Jalen Brunson brought to the team. Obviously it's generally good to avoid mid range shots from most of your players, but Jalen Brunson was so good at it and They had, you know, like him, you know, just settling into a 15 footer had such a calming effect on this offense when they were going through, you know, dry spells or had missed a few threes in a row. 
And because of the way teams are playing Luca, where they started the year, you know, wanting him to score, but lately it's been all double teams. It's been it's been gimmicky stuff. It's been boxes, uh, box and one, uh, but it's been a lot of double teams, and they are forcing you know the Mavericks to shoot threes. And I think that's where a lot of these blown leads and uh, overcoming of leads at times, but but especially blown leads. I, I think that's probably what's most stuck. Uh, in the fandom right now, what they're what they're stuck on, I, I think it's that variance. You know, they don't have uh, reliable twos that they can get to. They're not a team that lives at the rim, and they're shooting a ton of threes. And you know, to take it even one step further, you know, how fitting is it that the threes that they made were from two players? Just about Davis Bertans and Josh Green in Sunday's game, and everybody else, it felt like you know, not literally, but just about you know, was missing the rest of them. They're, they're in a bad way shooting. Like, I, I don't think we've actually focused enough on like how bad the shooting has been from their role players this season and how that's, I think uh, Spencer has been has shot it well and Josh has shot it well. And if quite honestly, if Josh and Spencer had not shot it so well this season, it would be very glaring just how poorly they've shot the three ball this season. And that's why they went to the Western Conference Finals is because Bullock, Dorian, and Maxi all shot low 40s uh, from the three-point line. And I think there's also a really – I think it was, I think it was Bobby Corrala from Mavs.com that pointed out this stat. But essentially in, in clutch time, which they've played, I think it's all but two games have gone to clutch time. In their wins, I think they're shooting 55% from three. In the losses in clutch in crunch just in crunch time, so those last five minutes where a game is with or last it's less three minutes where a game is within five. It's less points. five within five. Yeah, no, last five within five. In the losses, they are shooting 0-4. They are zero percent from three in their losses in crunch time, which is. Sheesh. I mean, I, it felt bad. You know, it, it on watching those games, it felt like they were shooting zero percent. But hearing that they they actually have not made a three in those those losses that's what that's why they're losing games if if quite honestly it's it's this team is so you're, i think you're correct in your assessment that this team is so variance dependent this team could be the number one team in the west with like three more made shots literally actually literally three more made shots luca makes two of those dumb threes he takes at the end of games and he has a couple buzzer beaters they're the number one seed in the west and luca's the clear front runner for mvp that is how thin the margins are for this team because Quite honestly, they have a great statistical profile for their team. They're somehow fourth in defense. They're the n- number nine number nine offense. Their shot quality is great, but they're not making shots, and they're very very dependent on shot making. And that can come and go, just kind of whenever it comes and goes. It's just not something that's you know that you can rely on through a, an eighty two game season. And if that were the case, we might be the you know, the annoying people talking about whether they're, you know, kind of like the Minnesota Vikings right now and, you know, have a 40 to three defeat, you know, it's just like because there are clearly some signs that things are not right. And I don't think this nine and seven is undeserved. I, I, I but I also take your point that, you know, and, and I guess I mostly say that because of just how many players, how, how fortunate they've been with the scheduling yeah. and how many players have missed a lot of these games. That's the main reason I say that. Um, because things like fourth and defense, and I want to say they're top 15 in offense. I want to say 11th or 12th, but I haven't seen the most recent ones. You know, like some of these numbers are good. Um, and so the the question is like, um, 
you know, I, I think this nine and seven is deserved. It, it definitely could be flipped two wins either direction, probably, um, but likelier to be wins than losses. But it's just it's it's hard to assess right now be, be, because of the schedule that they played and because of just how weird these games are. And I don't know. Do you do you want to talk specifically about anything more that happened in the the Sunday Denver game? Because there, there's so much, and we're we're a day removed now, and I, I have some bigger uh, topics that I wanted to get to that involve that game. But um, we don't I, have to leave it just yet. If 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 there's anything else, you know, the the game was it it was a weird basketball game. They for some reason couldn't stop Bones Highland. But I'm just gonna selfishly just take my victory lap on my Josh Green sock. For this season just if you told me josh green would ever go six for seven from three in a game in his entire career if you played 15 years and you <laughs> if you told me he would go six for seven from three in a game i wouldn't have taken that bet he's just do he, we do we even know if he made six threes his entire rookie season <laughs> <laughs> i think i think he maybe made six threes his entire rookie season and oh man he, he's one of their five best players right now just at, through this season, his play, he's one of their five best players. It's not just the shooting. I mean, the shooting is great. It's obviously that's a huge plus to that's what everyone wants from him and wants him to be. A sh- he has gotten so much better on the defensive end. Like he just doesn't do the dumb mistakes they used to make as a first and second year player where he foul guys and get guys in trouble. He is, I think, a a person who incredibly increases their defensive potential when he gets onto the floor. Their rotations are tighter. He's a great one-on-one defender now, and he's also a great on-ball defender and a good defensive communicator. And you can tell every time he comes on the floor, their defense improves. And it's just they're gonna have to find time for him. He's he's causing a good rotation problem. You're right about that, but you also said the magic words, which is the Mavericks' five best players, and so that's where we have to go. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Christian Wood, is he one of them? Does just Jason Kidd, well, I was going to ask a rhetorical question, but uh, I don't think there's any need. Jason Kidd clearly does not see him as one of the top five players. We'll kind of get to that. I want to start with this just funny circular logic that I'm not sure every bit of it is wrong, but it's funny. And it, it still doesn't make a lot of sense exactly every step of this process. And I, I'm just trying to figure out where it broke down. So the Mavericks expected Jalen Brunson to come back, I think, when the season ended. I, I, I can say that fairly confidently. Um, I, I think there were signs pointing in the other direction. Uh, signs that that Brunson, you know, was very open to this Knicks offer. Um, we're not going to completely rehash that. But they started the offseason thinking he'd, he would come back. It became increasingly clear in the weeks leading up to free agency actually starting that he was going to leave. Um, you know, around that time, the Christian Wood trade happened. It wasn't because of Jalen Brunson. Um, and really, it wasn't fully for Christian Wood. But in the heat of the moment, as Jalen Brunson was leaving, the Mavericks, you know, Mark Cuban told me, you know, Christian Wood can help replace his scoring. Uh, this this was something that the Mavericks were saying and, and would, would say a little bit more often, you know, as, as the season would go on, you know, even as we got to training camp, there was an expectation that Christian Wood would help replace that scoring deficit that, you know, obviously left with Brunson's departure. So we, that happens, and that is essentially given as the reason the Mavericks don't go and pursue a full-time third ball handler to replicate Jalen Brunson's role. And then when they do sign that player, it's Facundo Campazzo, who is seen as really an emergency every fifth or sixth game, only in absences type player. But that's fine because they're going to start the season in Christian Wood. Theoretically, according to this person and that person at various times, is going to be replacing some of the scoring. But then the season starts. Christian Wood actually gets off to a great start, as we know. But the offense isn't really changed around him you're like remember back to his his opening day explosion against phoenix he just he got hot and hit a lot of threes that were outside of the framework of the mavericks offense and were helped a little bit by the way they were playing luca the offense has not changed whatsoever to incorporate christian wood still hasn't i would say um pretty clearly he got three shots in what 19 minutes 17 minutes uh in, in the sunday games and so the Mavericks have this weird dilemma where they didn't replace Jalen Brunson. Um, they did replace him with a different type of player that they aren't using to actually replace him, even in that different way. And I'm just trying to figure out 
what exactly the plan is here. And I, I guess not even, you know, like, like where does this logic break down most? It, it, you know, and where, where should they have first thing? Like, clearly, I feel, you know, that the, the absence of the third ball lander, the, the decision not to pursue anyone who could fill that role wasn't the right idea. But I guess I'm also trying to figure out right now is like how much of a role does Christian Wood deserve? And I, I think you might feel a slight contrarian opinion about this. You know, I'm actually I'm, I'm not super concerned about Christian Wood's playing time. I actually kind of understand why he doesn't play. The the same the same icks that uh, Jason Kidd has about Christian Wood, I also have. Like I, I've also seen even the players. I don't think are fighting for Christian Wood to play more minutes. I think even in the so what are what are the icks? It just when when you play with somebody on the defensive end, especially this team that has been locked in, and you and we can tell when this team is locked in into their defensive rotations, especially all the guys who were on the roster last year, and you have a guy that comes in and is consistently messing up those rotations and not being where they're supposed to be, it is it, it can get frustrating to play with a guy like that. Just, you're not going to consistently be like, oh, I want to play with him all the time. And he's a great offensive talent. But also, if we go back to that to that summer and the sequence of their offensive, like Austin transitions, Christian was not supposed to be the Jalen Brunson replacement. Christian was traded for on draft night when the Mavericks thought that Jalen Brunson was coming back. It was pretty much a, a given. I, I, some, I remember this just because I was in the Mavericks facility for draft night doing that draft show. And it, it, we all were talking about Brunson coming back like that was just like a given on draft night when that when that trade happened. And I'm, Cuban is forever the salesman, so he's going to sell, oh, we're, we have Hardwood coming back, we have Wood coming back. But what was not supposed to be a Brunson replacement? It was supposed to be an enhancement for the roster and gave them a little more variance, giving just another look at, at uh, on the floor and also consolidate the four players that they had in the roster. But I I understand why Wood doesn't hasn't played. I I think he's he's a very talented offensive player, but I think if you look at what Jason Kidd wants to do with this team, and whether you agree with it or not, I I think maybe this is where people can split hairs, is that Jason Kidd wants to have a top five off- a defense. He wants to have a top five defense. He has one currently right now. And anyone who comes in there who can't make rotations, JaVale McGee's was in there. JaVale McGee got removed from the starting lineup within 10 games of the season, and he got publicly promised a starting rotation spot. And he gets DMPs now. And Christian Wood has come in, and he's he's had some great games. I've I've really I've enjoyed the stuff that he's done on offense. He obviously does give their offense another dynamic, and he contributes a lot on the offensive end. But they don't play their best defense when he's not there, and when they don't have Maxi, especially when he doesn't play in the last couple of games, they don't have anybody else that can cover for Wood. And I think. His playing time has just been – it's been a huge narrative, but I, I just – I don't think Kid likes his basketball DNA. I don't think Kid likes Christian Wood, the basketball player. I don't think he's a huge fan. I don't think he's looking for opportunities for him to expand his role because I just don't think he really truly believes in him. And if he did, then, like, he would be playing more minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is the heart of the matter here. I, I, I'm not positive he's been a worse defender than Dwight Powell. And, and that really does kind of complicate this decision. I actually, to me. Disagree, I actually disagree with that. I think Dwight Powell is actually, when he plays, their rotations are much tighter. What they're ineffective at are two completely different things. To be clear, you know, like Dwight makes every rotation, but there are just so many times that that people just go by him. Whereas Wood, I've seen him make really good defensive plays just because he's athletic and tall and big. I, I do think he is uh, he's been better about making the right rotations. I, I do think he has a bit of unawareness, you know, lack of awareness that I've certainly seen show up on offense. Uh, he can make really good reads. Uh, and then there's also times where just something doesn't work. You know, I, I thought one of the reasons was, you know, like there, there was a really bad, you know, he kind of slipped. Uh, he, he set a pick for Luca and, and slipped it and, you know, just like didn't catch the ball. Um, I didn't rewatch this play. And, and so I hope I'm not uh, mischaracterizing it. But I just remember it's like it, it felt like he didn't seal out his man. And it's just it's little stuff like that that adds up. And a coach like Jason Kidd, I, I can understand where they're they might get fed up with uh, you know a player who makes a lot of small mistakes in a way that you know is 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 frustrating. At the same time, you know if if we're already this soon, you know if, if Brunson was not replaced, I agree that Wood was not his replacement. Uh, you know I, th- I think that we all understand that at this point. But is there any value to trying it? Because here's one other thing you have to consider. If the Mavericks traded a first-round pick and those players, you know, the, the the contracts they wanted to get off of for Christian Wood, but they didn't really want Christian Wood, it means that they really traded their first-round pick. A not-nothing asset, you know. They certainly could have drafted someone late first round that may, you know, is looking like they're going to have more long-term value for this team, you know, a, a late first-round draft pick than Christian Wood is right now, who is almost certainly, you know, leaving in free agency this summer. They traded a first-round pick to get off contracts. And not really contracts, a couple of them. But, you know, they, to some extent, they could have found other ways to do this. They could have ate some of the money. And this does kind of go back to the idea that the Mavericks, once again, are um, consistently avoiding the luxury tax, which is not something that I've ever thought is fair to bring up until recently when it keeps happening i think that's a conversation for another day but you you do have to consider that idea that there was a first round pick involved and if it wasn't for christian wood it was for another reason um so yeah i don't know i i i doesn't quite full i can't quite fully grasp why you can't at least give christian wood some more consistent role if only to say this doesn't work, even though he's putting up good numbers and the good numbers will lead to us trading him at the deadline. You know, that's kind of where the logic fails for me, especially when minutes keep going to players who are not performing like Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, like Reggie Bullock, obviously not one one to one players, but there are a lot of scenarios where Christian Wood could receive more minutes and the wings could receive fewer you know, using various lineup permutations. And I really think that would make more sense to this team right now. And I know that's what fans are so frustrated about. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a full hearted endorsement of Christian Wood to say 
the rotation that Jason Kidd is running out there is not making sense uh, or certainly is not including his best performing players as it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. Like, I actually, it would be nice to be able to see Christian Wood play a consistent role for 10 games. I think the frustration with Bullock and, and Hardaway is very warranted. They've both, if, if Hardaway was just shooting his normal career, not even the averages he had the last two years with Carlisle, just his career averages, it would be a much better production and they'd be a much better offensive product. I think it's funny Josh Green is just soaking up all the wing minutes that they are not taking. He's he's just taking their minutes. He played 30 minutes last game. Um and I think Wood is competing now with Dwight and Maxi and not really JaVale, but also now Bertons. Bertons played surprisingly good game in the last game and I think Again, like I, I just don't think Kid likes Christian Wood's basketball game. I don't think he likes his basketball DNA. I think between the the rotations on the defensive end and blowing because that's that's one thing that will just get you pulled from games very easily with any NBA coach is consistently not executing the scheme. But also, I think on the offensive end, he's not a great screener. He doesn't connect on his screens. He has a little bit of Porzingis in that way, in that he doesn't open up the game for Lugo when, when he's setting screens. And so sometimes that can have an, a cascading effect on the rest of the offense, even though he is one of their most dynamic players. I think at some point they'll play Wood for extended minutes for maybe a, a small stretch. But, I mean, Kid, <laughs> Kid did it. He did it in a way that was like, am I allowed to curse in this podcast? He, he, he did it in a little bit of an asshole way. He was just like, I'm going to let – would play for an entire oh my fourth God, quarter. You stopped this down to ask if you can curse and then the word was asshole? Yeah, the word was asshole. I, I, Man, okay. Listen, yeah, you guys no. are a, this is a New York Times product now. I can't... I can't. <laughs> but uh, he Wood played that entire... The worst game of the season was the game that Wood played the entire fourth quarter and part of the third quarter. And, I mean, that... That was a little bit of a challenge from Kid, and I think he'll give more of those to wood so but I think- so so i hear you i hear you and and i think we we share some i i don't think i'm all the way where you're at with christian wood in terms of his on-court product but i do like uh i think you said this before we started recording that can you really imagine christian wood being a you know second or third option as the mavericks make a run to the finals that is kind of hard to imagine um I have a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to dive deeper into Christian Wood and everything about him because I think that's, that's time. Basically where I'm coming from, this is, is this good, you know, value management? Is this good asset? You know, is this logic, is this a logical approach for a front office and a coaching staff working in tandem to take with a player that a first round pick was given up for that? does provide something that was chosen not to, you know, that the team chose not to pursue in the offseason. And that, you know, this player, as things continue, will just leave next year. And I guess also, like, he's clearly not happy. This is uh, someone else made, it might have been Josh Bo again who made this point, but this is this is one of the first times that they've had someone who's, like, actually unhappy in a way that uh, he's expressed it several times. 
Yeah. Uh, went went for a stretch not doing media, um, and until we were like, hey, uh, NBA players have to do media, not not to not to mass PR, uh, but you know, to him and people who represent him. And so we finally talked, and he clearly isn't happy. And I, I just I don't know if this is the right approach. Like like I don't the, the logic is bre- breaks down in somewhere, if not in several places, about exactly how they went about this. Yeah, and I I I think I just like the the culture that they have built here, and what what they were building towards in the last year. I mean, obviously they lost Brunson. That was a huge part of that culture. But like, what has Christian Wood done in the NBA that is like <laughs> warranted? Then that don't level? trade for him. It, but no. but that, that, that's what that's what I'm saying. But then I don't think trade also, for him. Eat some money. It's a it's a transition year, and yeah, I think it's I think it was a warranted trade because like he's here for one year. He provides he he can play a role. He provides production. If you want to trade him at the trade deadline, that's great. You and also they also got the guy in the draft. I think. Also, the draft pick I think is less valuable to me because they got the guy that they really wanted in the draft. And if they had not, if they had not gotten that's a fair in the draft, point. If they had not gotten Jaden Harden in the draft, and someone who I think is very talented, who I think actually will play a role at some point for this team, and so, someone who fans already want to play because they think he's so talented, then I would be a little more concerned. If they had given up, like let's say the 18th pick or the 16th pick for Christian Wood, then I'm like, yeah, you need to really try to figure out how to make this work. But they gave up a 26th pick. No one who was picked between 26. And 37, where Jaden was picked, is someone that I'm like, oh, they really missed out on this talent. And so... And we won't know yet, but th- that's a good point about Hardy. Uh, yeah. And I, I just think that Wood was always a temporary replacement. I never saw him as like someone that was going to be a main staple. If, if anything, though, I, you're, I think your argument is valid in that like they should play him a lot because like as a value asset, you can trade him before the trade deadline. But I think they're trying to win games in a very crowded Western Conference and trying to figure out the best way to do that. And I think they're having a really difficult time in that their asset management isn't aligning with their game management on a game-to-game basis in a very crowded Western Conference. And I guess we we also talked about this before the season. Like, Christian Wood, the chances of him like being a starter or him getting traded at the trade deadline was 50-50. It was never like some coronation or like something that was just like going to be that he was automatically going to start and be one of the three best players in this team and be a focal point. And if you ask me now, I think he's going to be traded before the trade deadline. I don't I don't think he's going to be on this team when the season ends. Well, this feels like a conversation we're going to keep having, keep having. And I guarantee you that a bunch of you guys listening to this completely disagree because I, I get it. I get it. Like there, there is a lot that Christian Wood does that is very unique to him as a basketball player. That is, that is very hard to find. And if the Mavericks feel there's any chance under this coaching staff or frankly not that they can somehow unlock that player into a consistently driven version, then yeah. Like, like there is a possibility of a breakout. I, I think that uh, there, there's more going on to this. There's, there's more going on to him as a player that uh, complicates this. And, and, and I do think that you know broadly that these measured expectations that we wanted to set as much as we could before the season, and that you know we're obviously still talking about now. Um, yeah, I think, I think those matter. But we're this will not be the last time we talk about Christian Wood. Uh, <laughs> 
it's a uh, it's a good conversation topic. So they finally gave us a player that was uh, very good and controversial. It has he's he's a lot. He's actually just like a symbol of the Mavericks. Just high variance. Sometimes wow, it's, a, a tall stretch five who's uh, controversial. First time the Mavericks have ever had one of those. All right, let's get out of here. That's a Kristaps Porzingis reference, to be clear. I would never refer to Derek in that way. Just just making sure. Wow. Let's get out of here. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for listening. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Big Dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.